Howdy, and welcome to a special edition of LocoCast, LocoCast in person. Woohoo! Holy crap, I can see Craig. Yes, and I can see Rick. I don't know if this is going to work out, man. I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> I think this in-person stuff's for the birds. I, no. I, need, I need the comfort of my own looking at the wall. <laughs> yes, no, we uh, got together to record a special edition episode to test out. I got some new toys to take down to PenguinCon to do some recording. To PyCon, you mean. To PyCon, sorry, which... We could also use it PenguinCon. Exactly. Uh, and hopefully Pi Ohio and Ohio Linux Fest. We need to get that uh, get that booth when that comes out this year. Yep. And set up a little station. So we've got four mic inputs and I got three mics and a couple of spares laying around here. And we're testing some stuff out. We figured, you know what? While we're here, the best way to test things is just to record stuff. There you go. And there's been a little bit going on and we've not been able to talk about it because I've been trying to kick this cold from hell. Um, I don't know if you guys know Family Guy, but I have a full-blown Stewie effect in my house. My son is trying to kill me so that he can have his mother all to himself. I, yes. That must be it. And and I have a whole bunch of Clorox wipes just to make sure that none of the crud comes across the table. <laughs> no, no. The docs, the docs say I'm, I'm getting better. I'm uh, on my last, my last steroid pill comes out today. So, woohoo, off to steroids. <laughs> Um, but anyways, LocoCast, been a little bit, and we wanted to say uh, howdy, and like we were mentioning, we're going to be at, I'm going to be at PyCon, and I'm going to be trying to grab some interviews, and I've got a couple of guys lined up right now, some guys from the Pyramid Web Framework say that they would be willing to chat with me. Oh, very cool. So that should be awesome, and I've got some emails to send out to some other people. I'm hoping to kind of corral, I need to I need to hit Mark up, Mark Ram from SourceForge, I'm try to beg and plead him to sit and tell us what's cool about SourceForge going on lately. And I think he'll probably be more than happy to talk yeah, about that Yeah, I think that'd be stuff. a good one. And then I got some other guys from the uh, canonical crowd that I know are going to be down there I want to hit up. So uh, definitely look for a flood of uh, Peng- uh, PyCon content. I'm thinking about doing like a little uh, nightly diary thing of like, you know, what went on that night. I figure it's much easier to sit and record based on my notes rather than trying to write a big blog post. That'd be awesome. I'm lazy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so if you're not into Python and all that, then then you might want to skip ahead of you and you see your flood of RSS reader updates coming in the future. And I'm looking forward to all the editing that I'm going to be doing on this stuff. Yeah, when I'm, I get a whole bunch of wave files and a little note that says, make it nice. <laughs> please, please. Um, but speaking of events going on, oh, if there's anything one that you would like me to try to get a hold of at uh, PyCon or you you know that would be, would like to talk, uh, we would love to get a note from you. So send me an email at feedback at lococast.net and I would be more than happy to try to sit down with people. We're trying, I'm going to try to do most of the interviews during those four days of sprints after the actual conference so that I can concentrate on the conference and getting all smart and educated during the conference. And then the rest of it will be hacking and interviews and trying to get some good some good stuff out of it. But so events. We have some events coming up. There's actually a few big things going on. Um, first of all, the first ever Ubuntu Cloud Days are going on. And there is a blog post out here from uh, um, Ahmed and uh, the Cloud Community Liaison. They're having uh, some events going on on the 23rd and 24th, and they're looking for not just people to come and learn about using Ubuntu in the cloud, but also for people to help give presentations and to talk about it. So if you're using it, if you're playing with Eucalyptus or OpenStack and stuff on Ubuntu now, definitely hit them up. We'll have the link in the show notes. Um, But that should be some fun. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I'm, I'm just seeing this now. It's looking pretty cool. Yes, we like playing in the clouds. There you go. 
I've, I actually, it was kind of fun. I was playing the other day with, you know, been moving all of our files and stuff that we host off to S3 and everything. And I managed to get like a little file browser listing like you would get from like Apache file listings Ooh. working and everything. So, you know, hey, we're moving more and more stuff out, uh, running a couple different sites now on EC2 cloud instances and things. So, you know, Ubuntu in the cloud for the win. And then next up, there's a, a post from Jono. They're looking for uh, for people to sponsor to go to the next UDS, which is the Ubuntu Developer Summit, which is where all the action happens and where, where really big, important, huge ramification decisions like, say, choosing a default music player come out of. And so you can get sponsored to help some travel help to get out there and participate. And what was great was that after this came out, there were a couple other blog posts that hit like the Ubuntu Planet and stuff from people who have been sponsored before that kind of encourage you, hey, I never thought I would get sponsored, but I did. And, you know, it was awesome. I got to get on the inside track and go through all these great meetings and, you know, really make a difference. And so we want to encourage everyone to get, if you're interested in that at all, to, to give it a shot. Worst thing they could do is say no, right? It's not like you have to put in days of effort to get this thing going. But uh, UDS is in Hungary, in Budapest, the 9th through the 13th of May. And the deadlines for sponsorship submissions is the 29th of March. So coming up here at the end of the month, you want to get that in. Yeah, definitely check it out and uh, become a part of the wonderful wide world of Ubuntu. And also coming up is PenguinCon near the end of April. Yeah. You're going to try and get Rick out there. Oh, man. Now I have to now, though, right? And I have to justify this gear that I've bought. Exactly. So. And, and Brian Sanderson. Your buddy, uh, Wheel of Time guy. Oh, I know. My Wheel of Time. Thank goodness the last book's coming. I am so happy. I'll be so happy to bury that like whole <laughs> chapter of the weeks of my life I have wasted. Re- not wasted. It's good books, but I'll be so glad when that's over. No, it's... um. If you don't know, PenguinCon is a, is a local conference here in Michigan. It's a an interesting cross between tech and... Everything what do you else. Call it? I was gonna say it's like geek. it's like it's like a nerd explosion, if you will. Yeah, I mean everything from from games and sci-fi and fan fiction and just uh, I don't you. It's one of those things that are, for the first time I when I when I did go the first time you kind of have to go to experience to get a little bit of a feel for. And it's interesting. It's it's kind of like someone took a dartboard of everything that everyone is is really interested in in geekdom. And just threw an entire handful of darts and said, this is going to be the conference. It is, it is truly a sight to behold. Uh, I would definitely recommend if you're in the Michigan area during that time, uh, if you have any interest in this stuff, definitely check it out. It's, def- it's, it's the conference that I look forward to every year. A um, lot, of, lot of really neat folks out there, a lot of really neat things going on. Um, game stuff as well, which interests me. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's interesting, but yeah, that's going on, and we we may be there in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. I might be. Maybe we'll try to. I don't know who we would interview or what. But I've got know. ribbons to give out as well. I got yes. fifty local cast ribbons. Yeah, ribbons are a huge thing at this conference. If uh, you've never been at something like this, it's a huge ordeal. that i wanted to bring up one side note um right after our last episode where we were talking we keep talking about this freedom box and 
you know, we had the whole thing about turning the internet off in countries and all that. And there was a great article that came out on TechCrunch where they're basically uh, talking about some people working on um, open mesh technology or the open mesh project, which is the idea of trying to to build into all the different devices out there the ability to construct mesh networks of themselves. And we were talking about how, you know, that whole Freedom Box was interesting in that, you know, you have all your data and it's all personal and sometimes it's a little, you know, server you could take with you when you went to a hotel or something and plug it in and you'd have, you know, your all your, your server stuff, your your existence basically in the online world. But that it didn't quite fit with the whole turning the internet off thing because when you do that, I mean, there is no internet, there is no communication, and you got all your data on your little box, that's great, but no one's still getting to it. And so I thought it was really cool that this open mesh project has is, is, got a really good timing along the line of all these things. There's like a perfect storm that really seems to be kind of brewing between, you know, the Freedom Box project and this open mesh stuff and the political climate and enough enough newsy things to kind of draw interest into this spinning circle of, you know, really kind of interesting own your data be your data personify yourself online well and be able to to still communicate if someone comes along and says you know what no internet for you i mean when the backbone is gone you're you're pretty much screwed as far as getting any information out there so yeah it's it's a very interesting idea it's starting to get some legs um I will be very interested to see where it goes and if it you know once once we're back into our own little happy world view of things where everything's all nice and i don't know what's the best word for it uh willy wonka ish <laughs> out <laughs> there then get back to it's a small world huh? exactly uh then maybe everything will be all nice and, and happy but yeah definitely interesting times ahead for uh for data it's the, the technology these days it's it's definitely spiraling and it it's been an amazing ride and you know you hear a lot these days like we are living in the future with a lot of you know the smartphone technologies and the way things are and the instant communication and just the ability to shout out to the world with all this social network stuff and all that and you know i it while it's we're living in the future now boy i just can't wait to see like the next five ten years it's gonna be there's a lot of potential stuff out there hopefully they can make the data plans cheaper (laughs) there you go (laughs) there you go And so, now that all that business is out of the way, let's get down to fight! Yes, brass tacks. Um, like we mentioned at the end of the last episode, we were talking about the whole Banshee, canonical, joyous time that we're all having together. Let me go get my shovel so we can dig up this horse and beat it around some more. <laughs> you know, the way it's, it's amazing is because we have to, because it keeps growing more legs. Um, we said at the end that, that while there had been a decision made, that we thought everything was kind of settled, but that there was still communicating going on and things might change. And they did. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I, I brought up a post. Um, and what my basic gist of this post was that Canonical will override the will of a community whenever the revenue of Canonical is involved. That was my... Epiphany. Uh, well, not necessarily my <laughs> epiphany, but 
that was the message that I got out of this whole Banshee thing, which I was hoping was wrong. No. And then Mark Shuttleworth posts and basically says, yes, there's revenue on the table, and we are going to make sure that open source gets this revenue, open source being, of course, canonical. Hey, they are. Yes. Oh, so first let's go like what the new decision was. The new decision is that no matter where you buy your music from Ubuntu, whether it be the Ubuntu Music Store or through the Banshee's Amazon Store, which really I won't, I won't even call it the Banshee Amazon Store anymore because really it's the canonical. It's the plug-in. It's more like the canonical Amazon Store at this point with its own referral code. Yeah. But they're basically saying canonical is going to give 25% to GNOME. Uh, the Gnome Foundation, no matter where it, you buy your music. So the plus side is, is that we encourage everyone when they, Natty comes out and you've got Banshee on your system to buy your music through Banshee and do good things, and the funds, well, the it, funds it, will float between the Gnome Foundation. The, the whole fighting argument—I don't want to say fighting—but the argumentative side of this is the fact that that means seventy-five percent of it is not going to the Gnome Foundation. Well, and and to to. To Canonical's credit as well, they also said, look, this isn't going to just be for Banshee as well. This is also going to be for Rhythmbox and for any other thing that ships on the on the desktop. Oh, but Rhythm, I mean, Rhythmbox is going to ship, right? If, if you install Rhythmbox and you use the Ubuntu One store, then they'll still donate 25% of that. And then, right. you know, that's credit to them and all that. But, but yeah, at the end of the day, they're basically saying that if you buy, if you buy music on an Ubuntu machine, we're going to have to get our cut. Exactly. And and to me that was if if they had gone back to the Banshee community and said, Look, we really want the revenue stuff in that, do you agree to this? I would be okay with this. It, but it never that, ever that happened well, that way. They went and talked. It didn't happen that way because that wasn't the answer they were gonna get. Right. The problem was that the Banshee team had already spoken initially. So yes. in theory the initial the initial uh, settlement was never an official settlement. It was kind of a brought up in good faith by a, a member of Canonical who said, hey, either we won't ship the plug-in by default or we do the cut. And they said, fine, don't ship it. We want 100% or nothing. This is a principles thing. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't really made by someone who was in a position to make that decision in Canonical. So when the real decision came out, it came out even worse because originally it was, okay, we don't, you know, this is what we're going to do. You make a decision, Banshee team. We are going to respect your decision. So it was like, all right, people didn't like it, but there were principles held. There was an agreement. It was a both side kind of thing. When it came back the second time, it was much less both side. It was more of a, and eh, what we're really going to do is this. Yes. And this is where it gets interesting because I'm sitting here going, uh, duh, what did you think was going to happen? Right. And, and again, it was... It was the, my hope that Canonical would not use their position as the arbiters of what goes into Ubuntu to make it so that there was a, a unilateral choice being made by Canonical in the name of the Ubuntu community for Banshee. And unfortunately, it came down, the fiat was, was laid, and yea, verily, the the plowshares shall now be beaten oh, man. No, into see, swords. <laughs> so here we're gonna we're gonna pre plug because um our our fearless loco leader uh, Greg wrote I what I thought was like a beautiful post. This Absolutely really awesome. It was like the best thing when I was reading. I mean, we, obviously I've been reading a lot of blog posts in this. I you go check my bookmarks and tagged uh, loco cast and you'll see a lot of material. So I've been trying to keep up with this as best as I could. 
And his post was just awesome because it brought to light what I thought was the fundamental issue for everyone when it comes down to this. And people say, well, it's about money. It's about decisions. It's about, you know, respect for other, you know, whatever. And really, I think Greg had the point here where it wasn't. It's all about the people's idea of how Ubuntu, the project, is governed. And if you've read, uh, Jonas has a great book, The Art of Community, and when I was reading it, you get to this section called Governance, and I'm like, Governance? What's really Governance? Like, you don't really think about the term Governance when you think about, like, projects and things too much, unless you're a leader of one, like like Jono is and things in it. And Greg's point was that people think of Ubuntu as a community distribution, right? That there's, you know, they rely on the community to spread the word, the locos, you know, all of us have this great voice in Ubuntu. We make it up. We are what it is. And this brought smashing down to earth the fact that while, yes, we all participate and we have, I don't even know if we want to call it voting rights, at the end of the day, Ubuntu is a distribution put out, funded, constructed, uh, by a company, Canonical. Right. And Canonical, the company, has made some very interesting and different decisions on how to be a company and how to make money than other Linux distributions, right? Fedora, Red Hat, I mean, their their relationship is more Fedora's on the front end side for users, but Red Hat, they sell that to companies. They sell that on servers. They're selling that to a, a, a different market than the people that are out buying music on the front end plugin, Right. Canonical, to a certain extent, yeah. yeah but, Canonical says, you know what? We're, we're not going to worry so much about that. We want to make our revenue is going to come from services and things to end users with which there are more end users. We can get small bits of pie to build up enough pie to fund this distribution going forward. And because they've made that decision, anytime an application like Banshee, which is a front-end user-interacted application, makes a decision, it's going to run up against this. And I thought... Mark um, Shuttleworth had a great post where he brought up that, you know, this thing came up and we had to handle it and it's caused all these issues and it's not going to happen less frequently. We see that this is going to be a running a running ordeal where front-end applications, people that make the tools that go into Ubuntu, are going to run up against and have to be dealt with the decisions of how canonical the company is going to operate and make money. And it comes down to that governance. So at the end of the day, Canonical has the final say. I mean, they, they are the top of the flow, the, 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 the flow chart here. It always ends there. People always kind of forget that. They get so used to, you know, how Banshee was decided to be put in as a community decision because it was community effort and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, I feel like the community kind of got a little bit of a smackdown. And they're not liking it. Well, I don't know if it's so much of a smackdown as they got reminded who's really in charge of the whole thing. And someone has to be. Yes. And we, and that's the thing is that you have to, like every, you know, they have evil corporate empire kind of thing. Every corporation's got to balance the need to survive and flourish and do, do the things that they do. And to do that, sometimes you have to do things that just aren't. Well, but warm and fuzzy. You know? and, and again, I, I understand that corporations eat money and ship product. But, exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the hope I think that everyone had was that there was going to be a more equitable decision brought forth. And that's the problem is that it doesn't feel like it was equitable to the Banshee folks. They, their, their decision to have their revenue go over to 
the GNOME project, to me, said, we don't really, we're not really interested in the cash itself. We want to do the most good we can. We're not going to leave Amazon to get all the money out of this. We're going to have some money go somewhere, and we're going to choose the GNOME project. So when we and start to... some money is still going somewhere, and some of it's still going to the GNOME project. Right. And, and that's what, what also concerns me, too, is that this is, this is also canonical saying... And and this is completely out of my posterior. That oh. Ubuntu One isn't necessarily doing very well, and that they feel that the revenue money that's coming off of Amazon is going to help somehow supplant some of the revenue that wouldn't have gone to Ubuntu I, One. They're shipping it out of the box. They're, they're going to willingly compete with themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, but th- definitely there are a lot of folks, a lot of very hurt folks um i think some people are are talking you know this is the straw that broke the camel's back as far as them using ubuntu anymore and they're talking lint or linux mint or debian or god knows what and else you know is what? Out and, there. and more power to them there was actually i i thought this kind of got sun rattled but uh the the local leader from maryland had a blog post where he's basically resigned and said you know what this is just too much there's been a run of decisions over time over the years and this was just the last one, and and I'm done with this. And I think it was though, because each of those decisions, each of those decisions or issues that they run into, were all times where Canonical, the company, made a decision and said, "This is what we're doing as the top of the totem pole of the distribution, as that that move, that guiding force of where things want to go." I mean. You know, I don't want to say that Canonical uses the community because the community uses Canonical, right? I mean, right. none of us will be running this distro right now. There's so many things that they have done for us. I don't want to make it seem like it's a one-sided deal. and But I think that when you get enough of these, you know, occurrences where you keep getting reminded that even though I'm a community leader, that really at the end of the day, if what I think is best does not match with what the guiding company who pays the bills who pays these developers who, you know, the servers that we download all these ISOs from and all that, you know, when we go against them, they, they have to say, they, they take this where they're going to take it. It's all fun, love and hippie stuff until someone gets the bill. Right. Well, I mean, it's all fun, love and hippie <laughs> stuff until someone has to make a decision that goes against what the hippies want. Right. Um, and, you know, we're all, you know, part of the community with that. So, um, you know, obviously we're obviously sad to see someone who was very involved, you know, the, the Maryland leader step down and everything. Um, and I, but I completely understand, you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing is, you know, you, you realize that it's, it's not all, it's not all community all the time. It gets you and to it, think it that's be. the problem. That's the, that's the thing is though, it gets you to think, you know, right. okay, am I being, am I dealing with someone who is going to put their best interests in front of my best interests? And I don't think that Canonical necessarily did that, but it gets you to start thinking along those lines of, okay, well, Hey, you know, dot, dot, dot. Uh, Canonical is going to put this stuff in, in, you know, the revenue is is going to come first. So we'd like to hear your thoughts on it, though, definitely. Yeah, I mean, send us some feedback to feedback at localcast.net. And if there's any in, in particular, anyone in particularly insightful that had a really good post or something, we would love to see it because I, I don't know. I, we we want to, we're going to sit down with our, our, our leader that wrote this governance post, Greg and do an interview with him coming up after PyCon when I get back, I think, if we can narrow him down. And so we're going to kind of pre, pre-pub pre that up. But I think that's going to be awesome. And I, I can't wait cause, uh, to see, you know, to really hear some of his views on it. Because he, he approaches it from a really 
interesting perspective. I consider it almost a Jono-ish without the co- the company ties, because he's, he's very pragmatic. He, well, about he's it. he's yeah. a guy that's for Creative Commons. He's very into open data. He's he's someone that I could see being a community, uh, you know, a community manager for a pro, you know, for any kind of large project kind of thing, and so. I always consider him kind of Jono-ish. The problem is that, like, you know, and, and Jono got bit a couple times where he would reply to, you know, Twitter posts in haste or blog comments and things. And at the end of the day, right, I mean, he's he's a great community uh, manager and he does great for being that front line. Um, but obviously anything, you know, whenever anyone sees something from Jono, they know that it's, you know, is it is this canonical speaking? Is it Jono the community dude speaking? Or is it some mix or mesh in between and all that, you know? And he's got to walk a lot of fine lines. So I think it'll be really good to get Greg's, you know, kind of opinion and how he sees some of this as a complete outsider, just a member of the community. Yeah, it's fun, fun times in uh, Ubuntu High these days. Well, we'll see what happens. I still say that if once Danny releases, if those numbers are big enough and people are, are getting Amazon to be paying nice checks for open source software that eh, some of this has got to, while it won't float away, I think some, some, some people will, you know, not everyone this will is, be This will upset. be the alcohol on the wound. It may cleanse it a little bit, but damn, it's going to sting. Yeah. I, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting. <laughs> All right, so now that we're fun rehashing the Banshee fun over and over again, <laughs> and I'm sure it'll come up, you know, once we get Natty released, it'll come up. So speaking of that, don't forget that Natty Alpha 3 was released just the other day. Yep. And try it out. I know I got to try it out because I've been having lots of hardware fun on my end. Yeah. Well, I've... someone shouldn't have upgraded his machine to do the ESATA boot. Oh, man. Just note to <laughs> self, note to everyone out there, if your BIOS is happy, they actually say, like, don't mess with your BIOS. Don't. Yes. You'll never know what you might break. I actually, somehow updating my BIOS, broke my secondary display on my dual monitor output from my laptop dock. Yay! You know how sad, <laughs> like, you know how nice it is to have nice dual mounted, develop, you know, development, you know, nice monitors with lots of code and get all this work done? Well, you do, but it's at 10 or 1280. Yeah, 1280 on a, on a high definition display, I get 1200 pixels. It's marvelous. Oh, man, what a pain in the butt. But anyway, so Natty is out. Try it out. Get out there now because uh, they're starting to get some what they're, I don't want to want to say stable Unity releases, but Unity is starting to take shape. So now's a good time to play with it and check it out and get ready for, it's going to be different, folks. Get ready. I, I tried out Alpha 2 on another machine, and I have to say that there are some parts of Unity that I like, some parts of Unity that... I don't particularly like, <laughs> and some of them that I wish they would copy the Macintosh just a little bit more. Oh, no. You know, having the title bar have the menu on there when you mouse over it, that's kind of dumb. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably some of the to-be-completed <clears throat> <Dumb>. items. <laughs> dumb, dumb, dudley dumb. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, what about books? You got anything you've been reading, Greg? I've been reading through uh, ProPython oh. uh, by Marty Elchin. Um, I'm going to stop reading it for a little bit though, because 
I I think I need a little more insight into what he's going through. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, learning Python a little bit more because it seems that it's a little little gentler uh, move into stuff like decorators and all that other kind of stuff as yeah. opposed to just, you know, uh, the, the trap door fire below. Oh, man, I'll <laughs> we'll have to chat then. I'm curious. I'll have to check yeah. out the ProPython. I haven't uh, haven't read that one myself. So Overall, it's a good book. Um, it seems that there's, there's three different books that I've read that all pretty much cover the same stuff. You have ProPython, Python Object-Oriented Programming, and Expert Python uh, Programming. And out of the three, I do... I, I think that uh, Python object-oriented programming and ProPython are the better of the three out there, just because I think that uh, the the Python object-oriented one uh, seemed to be a little more okay. This is what the object-oriented stuff of Python that you know most of these books leave it toward the end of the book when it really should be toward the front of the book. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do Python without thinking about objects, so I don't yeah. know how that really works. It's exactly. Interesting. So, but. Definitely check it out. It's by A Press. Um, Pro Python available at fine bookstores everywhere. Yeah, we'll like have borders. to get uh, we'll have to get the uh, <laughs> the Craig Python class going here shortly. Oh God, no! Come on, you're reading more <laughs> Python these days than I am. Shoot. Oh geez. So uh, what have you been reading, Rick? Um, I've got a, a couple things I've just been poking at, but I've uh, I've actually been spending all of my time really trying to get hardware to work and. I've had sick baby, and then I had sick me, and so I've been spending my evenings trying to write code and do work so that I can keep up with those vacation hours and keep them, keep them banked up. So, not a lot of free flow and fun on the uh, old Harding household wow, lately. And then I got to play with these cool new recording toys, of course, and see how this is going to work out. I, I should share a photograph of this stuff. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. It, uh, it we'll reminds it you of my early days in radio. Let's put it yeah, that so, way. There's so thank you, everyone, that got me uh, mic gear for my birthday. That was mainly where most of it came from. I, I wishlisted it right before people got stuff. So we've got a, a pair of uh, Samson C1 condenser mics, one that Craig's on right now, that I can't, I can't get him to talk into enough. I Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> it's like my little blue microphone where it I, just kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> Oh come on! And then uh, you know, then we got the my AT twenty thirty five that I replaced my old USB AT twenty twenty with, and then uh, maybe we'll do some. I got a couple other mics around. I've got a lapel mic and a, a handheld. Maybe we'll you find a use for them at some event somewhere doing something. There so, you go. There we go. But yeah, toys for me. No, not so much for books. So with that, I think we should sign off this special in-person edition because I can't stand to sit here and look at Craig anymore across the table. It's because I'm making funny faces at him. Oh, man. You call him funny. I call him scary. 